I have a question for you today. The question is, are you ready? Are you ready for Advent? Are you ready for Christmas? Are you ready for New Year? Are you ready for Chinese New Year? Are you ready for Jesus' return? What a big list. (laughs) It's quite a lot, isn't it, to sort of prepare yourself for in one slide. Um, But for some of us, the thought of Christmas is a bit much. You know, this... And many of you glazed over at this point when I started, are you ready for this? And people are just sitting there thinking, no, I'm really not ready. haven't bought a single present yet. But what about the really important things in our lives? Are we ready for the future? Advent is a time of preparation. It's more light than Lent as we reflect on hope, love, joy and peace. Now, I'd be making a few preparations of my own. Next year, my curacy will be finishing and I'll be taking the next step in my calling um, to preparing to move to be a vicar of a different church. I don't know where and I don't know when, but at some point in the future I've been doing that. Um, And I don't know if you picked up last week, but I've been struggling with a few hormone problems and so recently I started hormone replacement therapy in order to help me to handle the changes that are going on in my body. Now, I spoke to one of my friends, and she advised me very strongly against mentioning that in, in, in public. But, do you know, life, it's, we've got to be real, haven't we? We've got to be real. And, um, and life is real with these ups and downs. And I want to be able to speak and be open with you so that you will speak and be open with me. Because we can all pretend that we've got our lives completely sorted and that everything is absolutely perfect. But actually, it's not. Um, So I've been preparing for this for a long time, moving on to the next stage. You know, this is what I've been preparing to do. And I have such a longing in my heart to know God and to make him known. And I don't want my hormones to hold me back. I don't want anything to hold me back. And that longing of knowing God and making him known is one that Isaiah would have shared. Isaiah was a prophet in approximately 740 BC. And he was a prophet um, to the people to the GDM people. And so, as I've said before, prophecy is multi-layered. It's a message to the people of the day about their lives and how to lead them. It speaks also, prophecy also speaks of Jesus, who was still to come at this point. It speaks to us today, and it also speaks of the future when Jesus returns. So Isaiah's got quite a job ahead of him. He's talking to those people. You know, he's talking about Jesus who's coming and no one knew was coming exactly. And he's also speaking to, um, the fu- to us today, but also to the future. So Advent is a time when we hopefully anticipate the birth or Advent of Jesus Christ. Advent meaning arrival. Um, and we focus on the peace, hope, love and joy that he brings. Now, most of the church across the world celebrate Advent as we think about this hope that Jesus the Messiah brings to the world and hope for the future with God that Jesus has opened up for us when he returns. Now, this is a lot to look forward to, but it's funny how quickly that we forget. We sometimes see faith as a bit of a chore or something that gets in the way of having fun. Hearing uh, Richard's testimony the other day at Alpha, I think you, you felt that faith got in the way of having fun, didn't you, Richard? Yes, <laughs> he's nodding eagerly over here. Um, and God can sometimes seem to be the bad guy who tells us not to do the sorts of things that we wanted to do. You know, can I do this? Oh, no, God says no. However, the book of Isaiah challenges us that as Christians, don't play with God. He challenges us not to lead double lives. 
And he points us back to loving God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind and our strength. And this is the challenge and the kickstart that we need as we reflect on the end of this very long year through troubled times where we've seen war break out again. We've seen more people made homeless and people fleeing to seek safety in this country again. You know, you don't need me to remind you of what it's like, because this is real life. If God is real, then we need his help right now. Now, there is some discussion um, about Isaiah and, you know, who wrote the book of Isaiah? Is it actually, is there three Isaiahs, you know? Well, I don't know exactly the answer to this, but I know that this Isaiah is the Isaiah son of Amos. Amos was the brother of King Amaziah, and they were from the tribe of Judah. And Isaiah primarily brings a vision of peace for all peoples and eventual hope for one day when God's promises to Judah will be fulfilled. So this is just a quick catch up for those who you who are new to this. So this is Judah. Judah talks about three things in the Bible. We have Judah the person who was one of Joseph's brothers. And Judah also, because it was um, one of the 12 brothers, he became one of the 12 tribes. So there was the people of Judah And Judah is also a place. Quite confusing. So you never know, you know, you have to look carefully at whether it's the person, the tribe, or the place when you're looking at Judah. Um, And the next thing I'm just going to say about is Zion. Zion is the name of the hill where Jerusalem is built on. So it's a physical place, but it's also God's kingdom on earth. So that's why you've got uh, Judah coming out of, uh, uh, Zion coming out of the clouds, because it's God's kingdom. And Zion is in Judah. Is that clear as mud? <laughs> Excellent. So in, um, in the scripture, it starts with in days to come. In mine, it says in the last days. And it, it sounds a bit sort of Tolkien-esque, doesn't it? Like the beginning of the Lord of the Rings. In the last days. Um, a, a kind of like a tale being told. We don't know when these last days are. Jesus' death and resurrection opened up what we are to see uh, to be the end. But we don't know when this final end will come. Well, surprise, it's not quite now. (laughs) You know, we don't know when it's going to happen. The mountain of God is a picture of a place where people are close to God. Because God is seen as up and we are seen as below. So in biblical times, when they talked about mountains and going up the mountain, it was kind of going closer to God. It was sort of representative of getting closer to God. And verse 1 tells us that God's mountain, the mountain of the Lord's house, shall be established as the highest of the mountains. That's where we can get the closest to God. So some separate nations are represented as mountains. Um, but this one, it's the case, it's the nation of God. So Mount Zion has seen the nation of God and his people. And on God's mountain, different nations come together to worship. And that's why it's so important for us to be a diverse church. Because in the end times, all nations will meet together. We're all under one God. We're all together. And so this is good to practice now. Um, And I love how it says that all nations um, shall stream to it. All the nations shall stream to the house of God. I love the kind of the idea of the flow, the idea of people being like a river and streaming towards God, almost like they have no choice but to go that way because that's the way we were made. We can't help but to head towards our God and maker. 
Um, now, as you can see on these verses, this is Micah 4, 1 to 4. Um, can anyone tell me, Micah 1 to 4, what does this look a little bit like? Isaiah 2. Isaiah 2, 1 to 5, looks very like Micah 4. In fact, it's exactly the same. These verses exactly replicate, uh, replicate Micah. And they were written, um, they were round at the same time. So it's unsurprising that the Lord, either, there's several suggestions, either um, the Lord might speak these um, exact same words to two people at the same time, or it's possible they might have had access to the same scroll where these words came from. But these verses herald the messianic age where Jesus will rule and all the people will come. And it says people will actively seek it out in verse 3. So we see that the Lord may teach us his ways and walk in his path. Are you ready for Jesus' return? Again, it's not yet. Now, verse 3 tells us that people are going to the mountain of the Lord to be taught his ways, how to walk in his paths. And I ask you today, how teachable are you in the ways of the Lord? How eager are you to learn what the Lord has to say to you? Do you listen eagerly to the teaching um, at church and perhaps in your Bible study group and you know, have an opportunity to, or, um, and wonder what does this mean? Or maybe the sermon is a good opportunity to kind of wander somewhere comf- more comfortable in your mind. I know I do that sometimes, I have to admit. But do you know, how, how teachable are we? Do you seek opportunities to hear teaching in the week? Do you try and listen to podcasts or do you have a Bible commentary or a scheme that you're working through at the moment? I was very proud of myself the other day. I listened to half of my first podcast. So I think that's kind of making me a millennial, isn't it? If I've listened to half a podcast, what do you reckon? Maybe not. I think I probably need to finish the podcast first and then and then Um, I can highly recommend the Bible app. It's a very accessible way of um, studying the Bible. Um, And I'm currently reading the Bible Project. Um, And it's a kind of year study, but it has these little videos teaching me about each book of the Bible. And it's really accessible. And so every day I'll either do some reading or I'll get a little devotional video, um, which is about four minutes long, um, and then some reading to do along by it. And I've learned so much. With the new year coming up, this is a really good opportunity to make it, you know, a resolution to read the Bible in a year. And, sneaky, if you start now... You'll be way ahead of everyone. So next year, if you miss out a few days, you'll still be able to finish by the end of the year. Um, when, you're, when you read the Bible, are you searching for what God has to say to you personally? Do you ask yourself, what does this mean for me today? I think this is brilliant practice if you can do it, because God has something fresh to say to us each day. Sometimes the verse just stands off the page. It's almost like there's a highlighted, isn't it? That this verse is like, wow, this is for me today. I had a moment like that this morning and I was like, wow, this verse really speaks to me today. But sometimes we have to work a little bit harder and we think, how does this relate to my life? How is this something that, you know, is helpful for me? Are you teachable or have you become dull in your faith? Perhaps critical of preachers, you know, that go on for too long and, you know, whatever. I don't know. Perhaps I am going on too long already for you. Um, Are you bored by the content that people are trying to explain? Do you want to walk in God's paths or do you prefer to walk your own path and live your own way? In verse 3b, 
um, it says that the law will go out from Jerusalem. What does that mean? How does the law go out? Is it carried in our hearts? Is it taken by the Holy Spirit and given conviction? Is it written down in our Bible like here and people bodily carry it out? Or is it speaking about Jesus as the fulfilment of the law, going from Jerusalem, sharing the good news of his kingdom? Now, this would have meant a different thing about the law going out. It would have meant something very different to Isaiah than it means today, because he had the law written down you know, on, on scrolls. But because of the Holy Spirit, we have the, the, the law written on our hearts. And Jesus is the embodiment of the law. I was just um, speaking to somebody recently about what the church in this country used to be like. And it seems that um, the church used to spend a lot of time telling you what you couldn't do. And very little time telling you what you could do. But this kingdom that we have is one of love, peace and justice. Jesus brought this and we're empowered in love to do the same. So there's lots of things that we can do to bring in God's love, peace, joy, justice. Are you ready for Jesus' justice? Jesus is going to decide true justice. He will make decisions that we, as frail human beings, fail to make. And he will apply his own justice. And we see from these verses that it will make everyone peaceful. Are you ready for Jesus' justice? Well, to be honest, that's a little bit of a trick question. Because those who have accepted Jesus are under his banner. And we won't be judged. I think probably some of you in your heart disagree with me. But we will not be judged. When we know Jesus, we are accepted into his kingdom. We have gone from darkness into light. And the judgment falls on Jesus. The judgment that we should have had falls onto Jesus. And he is judged in our place. So when we accept him, we're avoiding God's judgment. Because we have taken him on ourselves But often we live like people condemned, not sure of our salvation in Christ because some misdemeanor we committed many years ago, perhaps, or from a lack of certainty about God's love and the security of our salvation. Are you ready for Jesus' peace? Jesus is going to come in and he's going to clear up the mess we've made. Like the parent of arguing children, often my role, you know, it's going to split us all up. You sit over there, you sit over there. This is what we're going to do. You know, and God will come and judge between the nations and he will bring justice, true justice. But isn't it ironic that Zion, that Jerusalem is one of the most disputed places in the world with Christian, Muslim, Jews all looking at it as a holy place, a place, a place to be fought over. But what these verses tell us is that God will not settle these disputes with war. They're going to be turning weapons into tools to till the land and to nurture the crops. War is not on the mind of God. He wants the nations to be at peace with one another. And so this glorious day that is to come is one where people won't even train for war anymore. And with Remembrance Sunday just a few weeks ago... And we've all sat and reflected about the horrors of war. Isn't that something to look forward to? Isn't that something to be joyful that there won't even be people in armies in the future? Because Jesus will bring us peace. Are you ready for Jesus' return? 
Verse 5, we see a call to respond. Verse 5 says, O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. And, you know, as if it was all planned today when we had our our Advent candle um, lit and it was talking about the light of the Lord. Are we ready to invite Jesus' light into our lives and into our world? Are you ready to follow Jesus? Are you ready to walk in his paths, allowing his light to fill you and to guide you? And are you ready for the great and glorious day of the Lord? Big questions. This Advent is a time for preparation. Now, how many of us spend more time preparing food, presents, arrangements than we actually do about preparing ourselves? In fact, I would go so far as to ask us how many of us do any actual preparation uh, for ourselves before Christmas? How can you prepare yourself for the birth of Christ in the world and his glorious return? Well, I'm going to encourage you to use some resources. Now, this is the Bible app that I use. It's called the version. So you, click, you double-click on the um, brown bit, and it gets you to something that says the version, and then it opens up into all sorts of amazing Bible resources. If you haven't got that app on your phone, if you're able to get an app on your phone, it's amazing. But there are also loads of Advent books, tons of Advent books that you could start to read. And, and to kind of make yourself ready. Um, for um, parents of children, I really highly recommend this one, which is called Redeeming Advent. And there's just a little bit to read every day and to start to, to get yourself ready. So if someone would like to borrow this, you'd be very welcome to. Um, but we need to prepare ourselves of all the preparation we do in our lives. How much is preparing for the hereafter? How much do we keep Jesus in our mind as we think about our lives? Often we, we plan and prepare for everything. I'm, you know, I know that my mum's always talking about her funeral. Hi, mum. And you know, people talk about their funerals, don't they? I'd like this at my funeral. I'd like that at my funeral. But are we preparing more for the end, these things, than we're actually preparing to meet with Jesus? You know, we need to be preparing ourselves more. Are we ready to meet Jesus face to face? Would you recognise him as your saviour? In the Bible, John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not die but have eternal life. God loves us so much that he sent Jesus to die in our place to pay the debt of the sin that we do. Sin has a consequence and that consequence is death. Jesus took that sin and died so that we can be free and saved to be with him forever, living fresh new lives. And I want to ask you two questions. Are you ready for Jesus' return? If not, why not? That's not meant to sound aggressive, but it's a good question. If you answer yes to question number one, then keep on trusting, keep on praying, keep on walking towards the light. But if not, then I want you to think about why this is. Did you become a Christian long ago and now perhaps you've grown a bit cold? Did you become a Christian but perhaps doubt whether you really did and nothing much seemed to happen at the time? Did you doubt that God could accept you because of something in your life, something you did or someone did to you? 
Have you perhaps never made a decision to follow Christ with your life? If you're ready to accept Jesus for yourself and you haven't done before, or perhaps you want to kind of reaffirm your commitment to him, you want to have assurance that when it comes to judgment, you will be passed over. We're going to say a prayer together. And I would really love it if everybody would say this prayer together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for the things I have done in my life. Please forgive me. I now turn from everything that I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your Holy Spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. And if you weren't ready before, perhaps you're a bit more ready now. Let's have a moment of quiet as we reflect on all that's been said and invite the Holy Spirit to come amongst us and work in us. Come, Holy Spirit. We just invite you to come now. Lord Jesus, we thank you for everything that you are challenging us and putting on our hearts today. And I pray for each of us that you would give us things to continue to think about and that you would be bringing healing and wholeness into our lives and help us to look forward to your return. In Jesus' name, amen.